0: It's Throwback Thursday, and this week's theme is climate change. You're listening to The Last Gay Conservative. I'm your host, Chad Long. everybody and let's go brandon ladies and gentlemen welcome to the no woke zone where facts always beat fiction and truth always prevails a zone where we destroy the liberals the left the democrats at home online and in political office we're always right and never canceled welcome to the last gay conservative podcast hey now hey now (laughs) hey now everyone That is one of my favorite parts of Howard Stern's show. Hey now, but I don't listen to it anymore because the guy has gone wacky with his politics. Used to love him. He was a true libertarian. He actually, I don't know if you guys remember, he ran for governor of New York at one time as a libertarian. So, which is really sad because I loved his show. I really looked up to him growing up and he's part of the inspiration for this podcast, but That's all right. We can't keep everyone in our movement. So most of you have been on this ride with us since day one, and I'm sure you've noticed we're just trying some different things. I mean, we're essentially throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks with the little data that we have. And a huge part of my vision for the show beyond educating and laying down important facts is entertainment and having some fun with all of you, all of us together, I should say. I try my best to be funny on my own, but one of the brilliant things about being a conservative pundit right now is that the left is pure comedy on their own, especially watching them melting down. I mean, it could not be a better time for us on the right as far as humor is concerned, because let's face it, this is entertainment you couldn't pay for watching these woke people melt down. (laughs) It's hysterical, so it takes the pressure of being a comedian off of all of us who are commentating on these issues. But with today's fast pace and rapid-fire news cycles, sometimes it's really easy for us to forget some of the pretty funny, ironic, and just ridiculous moments the left has through the years, and uh, it's pretty fun to revisit them. Also, a lot of my listeners are significantly younger, which I love because that feeling of knowing there's an upcoming generation of non-woke, non-snowflakes keeps my stomach acids down at night. I don't know what it is, but my allergic response to liberal lunacy is heartburn. The second I start hearing the whining or the chanting or the blatant lying, I start eating Tums like they're peanut M&Ms. You should see my office since I've started doing the show. I've got Pepsi, Alka-Seltzer, Tums, Mylanta, all lined up ready to go depending on what the topic is for the day. So I... I really hope that public option for health insurance is available soon because I'm going to need the government to cover my ulcer treatment after all of this. So we're working on rolling out the shows with a mix of a little bit more casual combined with the regular format, but once a week. So moving forward, we'll have monologue Mondays, which is this is the current style of the show. Uh, One issue or a couple of closely related issues that I dive in on a deeper level share my thoughts and opinions on with the intent of educating you listeners and providing you tools that y'all may need to take on your own version of the mob, which was the original point of the show. There's a lot of commentators out there that cover daily news, et cetera, but don't necessarily give you the talking points you need to shut down the school boards, the teachers, the other PTA moms, neighbors, in-laws, whatever it is. You've heard me say it before. So Mondays are going to be our, our big day where we dive in deep about issues that are pertinent to any of our movements, you know, that are within the the larger conservative movement on Tuesdays, we're going to have tranny Tuesdays. Um, there's so much trans news going on and it's not going anywhere. It's actually growing. And being a member of the LGBTQ XYZ underscore exclamation point community, I I know I have a unique perspective into what's happening and why it's happening. And so we're going to pull and talk about several trans topics of the week. And the reason we're dedicating a show per week on this issue is because, like you will see on Tuesday coming, the sort of subliminal or casual trans bias being inserted in all sorts of places is getting worse And I feel like it's my responsibility to do everything I can to protect children and parents from the potential damage this may cause. We saw it happen in the gay community. And I came up around a time where the gay community sort of radicalized and then pushed this issue of marriage. But in order to do so, they also inserted gay bias in all kinds of regular, everyday American institutions, which I felt was unethical. Trans issues are even more dangerous, and so I want to make sure that I do my part because I don't feel like I did enough when uh, gay bias was being inserted and, you know, forced down everyone's throat, make people seem like if they question gay marriage at all, uh, they were, you know, bigots and homophobes and all the defensive tactics that the left teaches us are the way to argue versus factual logic. Then we're going to do, like we're doing today, throwback Thursdays. This is uh, the first of many. We will focus on one theme like today, which is climate change, and take a stroll down memory lane of some of the most ridiculous things we've heard from the left. Could be from 30 years ago, could be from three days ago. But like I said, looking back is always fun with Democrats. Unlike what they want people to think, they are the party who has had these big swings and different agendas over the last 30, 40 years we on the right have actually stayed largely consistent plus or minus a few things. However, CNN and Biden say we're radicalized now, which is clearly not true. Then we're going to do Friday free for alls. So Friday free for all's will eventually be the live shows and we may do a deeper topic or a funnier topic. We'll do guests on Fridays. If we have them, I'm still a little weary of guests. Um, It'll be the mystery meat of the last gay conservative podcast. We'll do email answering, tweets, comments, etc. cetera. And um, there you have it. This is the direction of the show. This schedule may take, you know, a couple of weeks to solidify. So it won't be perfect as I've come to realize the magnitude of this entire production. And we're growing rapidly and having episodes go viral doesn't help. I mean, well, it helps. I love it. I love seeing it. But like any business, rapid growth means rapid growing pains, and uh, we've definitely experienced that, and I appreciate all of you for hanging on with us. One thing I have to thank you all for is the Don't Say Gay episode has reached more downloads than all the other episodes combined. Our clips of my revised Woke Disney titles have been posted by some very big accounts on Twitter and Instagram, and it's just been really fun watching and listening to the reactions on both sides. I don't consider myself a funny person. I, I'm not someone that could do stand-up or just generally the funny guy in the room. But like they say, even a blind squirrel finds a nut occasionally, and apparently that one was my nut. But moving on, as always, I just want to talk about some news items that pertain to previous episodes. Well, we did it. I mean, that's this is the best news of the year, maybe. The uh, Department of Homeland Security has officially put their disinformation board on hold. Nina Jankiewicz resigned, alleging that she's the victim of unjustified and vile attacks, as well as physical threats. Well, I'm so sorry if I'm not sympathetic, as the same people defending her are violently protesting outside a Supreme Court justice's house on their private property and their private residence, threatening and trying to intimidate them into changing their ruling, if you will. But keep in mind, this doesn't mean the so-called disinformation work within the DHS will stop, but the public piece of it will, which includes Nina. The Washington Post reported that the pause was created by coordinated efforts online by extreme right-wing groups. One Twitter user so brilliantly responded to that, saying, if they knew anything about us at all, they would know we don't do coordination. And that really sums it up right there, folks. There's no coordinated effort here. We don't have some big think tank and strategists on our side. It's just common sense. And in this case, millions of people on both sides of the aisle saw right through this one, a hilarious exchange with uh, Peter Ducey questioning our new brilliant press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, in an article that I just read from Fox News. It says, Ducey exposed the irony that the disinformation board was paused due to misinformation. This was just further affirmation of what I keep saying, we can no longer be the silent majority. Next up, just like I outlined in the Biden Economy episode, the White House is skirting the issue of the stock market performance claiming and I quote That's not something we keep an eye on every day. Like I said, credit when it's good, deflection when it's bad. Remember what I said about this White House and the liberal response to a crappy economy? The president has very little to do with the economy or stock market. Well, that's essentially what she said. She plays the Biden blame game and passes the buck, pointing to the Federal Reserve, saying, quote, the Fed chair, you know, the Federal Reserve is independent. We leave them to make their own policy decisions. We don't get involved in that. And nothing has changed on how we see the stock market. Yet another example of how out of touch this administration is with Americans. I, do they not realize that millions of Americans have managed 401ks or retirement funds that can shrink or grow depending on stock market's performance? They don't get involved in the Fed. That's such BS. They don't care about these people's retirements, the, the middle class that they so champion for. Those are the people who are most affected by the stock market that they're too good to check every day. Finally, after me and over a dozen other conservative pundits questioned whether Mayor Pete and his wife, Chastity, were experiencing the same struggles getting formula like most of the U.S. Mayor Pete has eventually come out day late and a dollar short, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said... They are clicking and clicking online and soliciting out-of-state friends to send them formula. He also emphasized that his twins are 100% formula-dependent because neither of them can produce milk, implying that this is even a bigger deal to them. It felt very much like a subtle dig at women, or they, who choose formula over breastfeeding, as though they should leave the stockpile for people like him. At least that's how I heard it. American Wire News reporting on this issue pointed out tweets from Bette Midler that say, just breastfeed and it's milk on demand like a faucet. You turn it on, you turn it off. Well, that doesn't make sense seeing that the mob would like us all to be gender neutral. Shouldn't we expect Pete and Chaston to breastfeed? Parents are only the person who provided me milk, right? What's disgusting is this, not abortion, is a women's health epidemic. Many women cannot produce milk or enough. They have to supplement with formula. Some women's milk, for one reason or the other, isn't nutrient-rich enough to sustain the baby. And although Biden visited manufacturers and retailers, we have yet to hear his American baby and women rescue plan. The other fact ignored is that even if supply were flush, the cost was already so inflated and high, it was already starting to impact millions' ability to properly feed their baby having to cut corners and do things like mix cornstarch and water. This, of course, impacts the poor the most, the very people Biden claims to support, some protector, right? Barely giving any attention or urgency to this issue. This is the real American epidemic, not COVID, certainly not climate change or Ukraine. It's simply just not a priority for the big guy because there's plenty of insurer left for him. Speaking of climate change, Let's get into today's Throwback Thursday, Global Warming Edition. You'll notice sometimes I say climate change and sometimes I say global warming because it was global warming forever and then everything started cooling, so they changed it to climate change. And that's just recently. Believe it or not, in the 1970s, we had global cooling which was the same climate scientists today predicting that we were heading into the Ice Age. Let's stroll down memory lane starting in the 70s, shall we? In
1: 1977, the worst winter in a century struck the United States. Climate experts believe the next Ice Age is on its way. According to recent evidence, it could come sooner than anyone had expected. At weather stations in the far north, temperatures have been dropping for 30 years. Seacoasts. Long free of summer ice are now blocked year round. According to some climatologists within a lifetime, we might be living in the next ice
0: age. This has been a major, major focus of the left since the beginning of time, it seems because it's an amazing way to spread fear about the future.
2: We're in the beginning of a mass extinction,
0: it acts as a great distraction and they've made it. So if you question it all, You're a naysayer. You're wrong. You're anti-science and anti-mother nature. How dare you? Let's listen to something from 12 years ago.
3: It's hard to capture the astonishment in the science of ice felt, but the amount that melted in 2005 was equivalent to an area covering everything east of the Mississippi River in the United States. And based on that, they said actually 2008 had a smaller minimum, probably. There is a 75% chance that the entire North Polar ice cap during, summer, during some of the summer months could be completely ice-free within the next five to seven years.
0: Okay, first, what's science of ice? That sounds like a lot of BS. <laughs> is Can you graduate from Berkeley with that? I have a PhD in ice science. And the funny thing is, is that Al Gore was the global warming talking head and kind of still is. And remember, one of his speeches would not be an Al Gore presentation without massive, scary animated graphs of polar caps melting. Remember what we just heard? A 75% chance polarized caps will be ice free. Well, the ice is still there, which is pretty crazy, right? than 10 years ago.
3: Within less than 50 years, it'll be here. There's not a single fact or date or number that's been used to make this up that's in any controversy. On the temperature side, if, if this much on the cold side is a mile of ice over our heads, what would that much on the warm side be? Ultimately, this is really not a political issue so much as a, a moral
0: issue. If we allow that to happen, It is deeply unethical. It's hard to see or imagine in your head, but he's on this huge people lifter, the kind that you go all the way to the top of like, let's say Home Depot to change the light bulbs. And the graph is today's CO2 concentrated being illustrated by this up and down movement. And it's ridiculous because everything that he pointed out is not on the trajectory that he showed in the presentation. I also want to point out that every one of these talks Or speeches he does he gets paid thousands like hundreds of thousands of dollars to do these talks so of course his motivation is to be extra dramatic and add a little flair to everything that he does i can't let this nine-year-old clip go by we are at a fork
3: in the road accepting the reality is the key to making the right choice we have the solutions at hand the clues are everywhere and they're all consistent. As CO2 increases, so does temperature. It traps heat. That's what it does. Traps a lot of heat. The results are now evident. It's
0: caused by our human pollution. And we want a solution.
3: This is no longer conjecture or something based on a theory. It is real. It's real. It's reality. We can see it. Breathe in. We can feel it. Hot. Instead of turning the thermostat up, we should start turning it down.
0: <laughs> I know how awful I had to throw it in just to drive you guys nuts. That actually is a music creation by a climate change group uh, called Climate Reality. Mm-hmm. But do you notice the pattern here? Everything's if and. But maybe, probably, he must have taken a page from the Fauci playbook, who was around way before Al Gore, because this is their version of science that happens to be done to techno music, which I think makes it more believable. Then we'll look at seven years ago.
1: My uh, top science advisor, John Holdren, you know, periodically will issue some chart or report or graph uh, in the morning meetings, and they're terrifying. (laughs) We're told you've thought a lot about how and why civilizations collapse. And we wanted to ask you, do you believe the threat from climate change is dire enough that it could precipitate the
2: collapse of our civilization?
1: Well, I don't know that I can look into a crystal ball and know exactly how this plays out. Uh, But what we do know is that Historically, when you see severe uh, environmental strains uh, of one sort or another on cultures, on civilizations, on nations, that the byproducts of that uh, are unpredictable and can be very dangerous. What we know is that if the current projections, the current trend lines on uh, a warming planet continue, it is Certainly, going to be enormously disruptive worldwide. Just imagine, for example, uh, monsoon patterns shifting in South Asia, where you've got over a billion people. You have even a portion of those billion people displaced. You now have the sorts of refugee crises and potential conflicts that uh, we haven't seen in our lifetimes. Why do you think it's been so difficult for you to mobilize public opinion at home? about the necessity of confronting this issue? Well, the good news is during the course of my presidency, uh, I think we've solidified in popular opinion, the fact that climate change is real, that it's important and we should do something about it. So
0: I love this stuff. It's all doomsday. Guess what? Every prediction that you just heard is all wrong. All assumptions and speculations. They're basically saying if this or that happens, this or that will be terrible, but there's no actual fact. It's, so scary. Remember what I said this week about causing hysteria? This is just another example. Just like COVID's going to kill us, the Supreme Court is banning abortion and will strip women of all their rights. And climate change is coming and we're all going to die.
2: People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing.
0: Gore and Obama's predictions about this are about as credible as this.
2: Oh, dear. The blue sky just fell on my head. The wherefore and why is best left unsaid. But I have a hunch, and it's appalling, that like it or not, the sky is falling. Penny Penny, I do declare, honey, where are you rushing off to? The sky is falling. I'm off to warn the king. Are you sure? Of course I'm sure. I don't need something to hit me in the head in order to get the message. (gasps) Actually, in this case, it did hit me in the head. Oh, damn! A piece of a bell just landed down here. You better beware. The message is clear. Don't the, the prospect galling. It's right for your life. The sky. hit me in the head are you sure doesn't she act as if something hit her in the head (laughs) we're off to warn the king oh dear a piece of blue sky just did what they said
0: And is there science? Henny penny. The sky is falling. Now we can't talk about this stuff without throwing back to Obama's big solution. Uh, That requires mobilizing a a citizenry that requires them
1: understanding what is at stake. Uh, You know, and, and climate change is a great example. You know, when I was asked earlier about uh, the issue of coal, uh, You know, under my plan uh, of a cap-and-trade system, electricity rates would necessarily skyrocket.
0: Oh, cap-and-trade. That was the big answer. Meanwhile, energy costs had never been higher under Obama, and and cap-and-trade just doesn't work. It's been proven time and time again that it doesn't work. George Bush senior was actually the first president to sign and adopt cap and trade federally. And did it work? No, it hasn't worked and it will continue to fail. The question I always had about cap and trade was where's the science. There's not actually any science in cap and trade that contributes to lowering CO2 greenhouse gases and all this other stuff that we're supposed to be getting rid of. Right? So putting a, program in place that merely tells energy producing factories or whatever they want to call it, how much carbon they can use doesn't actually do anything scientific. It just essentially taxes emissions, which is ridiculous. And just like Obama said, okay, they pay more in taxes. So what do they do? They pass that extra cost right down to us, thus doing nothing for the environment, nothing. They just bite the bullet, pay the tax and then charge us for it. Brilliant idea. Here's the big guy's take on climate change. This is a fun one. We gotta listen to the scientists and the economists and the national security experts.
3: They all tell us this is code red. The nation and the world are in peril. Climate change poses an existential Mm -hmm. threat to our lives to
0: our economy and the threat is here it's not going to get any better code red existential threat and what's hilarious to me is that any natural disaster occurrence is climate change california wildfires which have been around my entire life climate change flash floods in southern gulf cities like houston and new orleans climate change earthquakes climate change caused by fracking extreme heat and drought Global warming, extreme freeze and cold, climate change, diabetes, high cholesterol, and obesity, climate change. Is anything not caused by climate change? The Russian invasion of Ukraine, maybe? This alarmist approach that has never predicted anything correctly is not helping their argument. Furthermore, the 97% of scientists that support climate change, they tout all the time, believe the climate is changing. It is changing. I don't think there's a person on Earth with more than 50 IQ points who can argue the climate isn't changing. However, there are massive differences in the scientific community on several things. The cause, the impact, the solutions, and the urgency. Does anyone see a lifelong pattern here with the left? I mean, even 15 years ago, they have nothing to offer domestically for Americans right then and now, so they concoct these stories in order to set themselves up as champions. I've been talking about this for years. You know what I call it, liberal lifeguarding. Throw people into the pool so you can save them. Elon Musk, who is literally the king of sustainable energy, unlike Al Gore, has always said, sustainable energy is a given. The Earth will get there one way or another in some time because our current energy production using fossil fuels is finite. Eventually, whether tomorrow or 10,000 years from now, the Earth will run out of oil. It's a finite organic matter. The more we try to manipulate the system, the more it backfires. What have been the big Democrat solutions to climate change other than cap and trade? Windmills don't work and do more harm than good than the environment. Electric cars simply displace the use of oil from vehicles back to oil-powered electricity grids. Solar works about half the time for half the country. However, there's a lot of strings attached. It comes with either long leases where you're tied in and have no control of where your energy goes or the use. It simply offsets your energy bill, which is okay. However, lenders for home loans won't touch them with a 10-foot pole. The other option is tens of thousands of dollars to have your own system, batteries, generators to charge the batteries put in. And then you have the Biden solution, which is just cut it all together and make people figure it out. Funny enough, Obama and Biden have made huge promises on global warming slash climate change. Just listen to this. According to the PolitiFact Promise Tracker, again, I love to pull from liberal-leaning publications because if they print any criticism, we know it's either true or worse than what they print. So let's start with their Obama meter. His first big promise to America was to invest $50 billion in auto manufacturers to pr- to produce fuel-efficient vehicles. Well, you know, I've talked about that one, Obama's exploding legacy, literally. <laughs> I love to hear the explosion pop in the background. Can you imagine? Man, this liberal god is such a moron. On top of the mess he created by his meddling with GM, he never invested or allocated $50 million for fuel-efficient cars. He bailed them out, period. That's it. Really good environmental champion he is. He also said he was going to reduce oil consumption overall by at least 35% or 10 million barrels of oil by 2030. Well... In 2009, the United States consumed $8.7 million. 2015, we started consuming $9.4 million. Uh, His predictions don't give Obama's 2030 goal any more of a boost. Petroleum and other liquids will continue to make up the largest share of today's U.S. energy consumption through 2040. And will average around 20 million barrels a day. This is according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. He also promised to direct revenues from offshore oil and gas drilling to increased coastal hurricane protection. Obama, for his own part, has backtracked on the promise. His budget proposal seeks to eliminate revenue sharing altogether, reallocating the royalties from offshore drilling instead to conservation projects across the whole country, not just coastal restoration or hurricane damage. However, thank God, The plan was strongly opposed by Louisiana lawmakers and environmental groups. So caps and delays on sharing offshore drilling revenue with four coastal states still remain. One bill to increase the caps is in the works, but even if it passes, it doesn't seem like Obama wants the direct revenue to protect the coast anymore. A bill at that time was proposed to increase the caps, but it did not pass. And even if it did pass, Obama already basically demonstrated he would rather direct that revenue to conservation efforts or his buddy's nonprofits than to coastal protection. This is another one where he claims to be fighting against his friends in the oil and gas businesses. Quote, eliminating special tax breaks for oil and gas companies, including repealing special expensing rules, foreign tax credit benefits, and manufacturing deductions for oil and gas firms. Well, that was his promise in 2008. None of these things were included in his major tax bill to avoid the fiscal cliff in January of 2013, and the American Petroleum Institute has verified that none of those changes have been made. Another false promise from Obama. Obama also said, In my administration, the APA will strictly monitor and regulate pollution from large concentrated animal feeding operations, which raised more than 40% of U.S. livestock with fines for those who violate tough air and water quality standards. Well, the Obama EPA tried to enforce regulations, but those regulations predated Obama, and he's completely backpedaled on the plan, and he completely backpedaled on the plan that would have collected necessary information to prioritize its environmental actions. Obama simply used predated regulations to enforce this quote-unquote standard, and backtracked on his complete plan and didn't collect or use any of the data needed to prioritize this EPA action. Another big one he said is he will extend opportunities for older individuals such as teachers, engineers, and doctors to serve overseas. This will include a global energy core to help reduce greenhouse gas emissions overseas and promote low carbon and affordable energy solutions in developing countries. One of this century's challenges will be promoting the use of green energy in developing countries, which will face exponential increases in energy demand. This core will be composed of scientists and engineers who will work with local partners overseas. Well, there's no such evidence as the Global energy core never happened, was never going to happen, and he doesn't care about greenhouse gases at all. It's just a Nice talking point. One of my favorites is we will create a federal renewable portfolio standard that will require 25% of American electricity be derived from renewable sources by 2025, which has the potential to create hundreds of thousands of new jobs. Sound familiar? This again is another talking point from the left. Now they want by 2035, 80% of America's electricity will come from clean energy. Well, Getting a significant percentage of energy from renewable sources is still a liberal priority, but they haven't done much to get to the goalpost. Actually, they pushed it back. So now, instead of 25% by 2025, it's 80% by 2035. And America's clean energy, according to Obama, is wind and solar, nuclear, clean coal, which Al Gore continues to say does not exist, and natural gas. Are those all renewable sources? I don't think so. He swore half of all cars purchased by the federal government will be plug-in hybrids or all electric by 2012. Well, we are nowhere near that, nor did he create any contract standards or do anything that would make this happen. He talked about it and then just assumed that people would. There has been a shift within the current federal fleet. But nothing like he said. He also said his administration will require governors and local leaders in the metropolitan areas to make energy conservation a required part of their planning for expenditure of federal transportation funds. Again, here's the money, but only if you use it for green bullshit. Not one person could point to an existing or recently proposed requirement that energy conservation was A condition of any transportation dollars. Here he is blabbing again, saying a small portion of the receipts generated by auctioning, quote unquote, cap and trade allowances, 15 billion per year, he specified will be used to support the development of clean energy, invest in energy-efficient improvements, and help develop the next generation of biofuels and clean energy vehicles, measures that will help the economy and help meet the emissions reduction targets. It will also be used to provide new funding to the state and federal land and wildlife managers to restore habitat, create wildlife migration corridors, and assist fish and wildlife to adapt to the effects of the warming climate. All remaining receipts will be used for rebates and other transition relief to ensure that families and communities are not adversely impacted by the transition to a new energy low-carbon economy. Well, Obama said that he will use revenues from cap-and-trade to support clean energy and environmental restoration. He did not. He didn't even try. I think you all get the picture. Same goes for Biden. Let's look at Biden's bidometer, as they call it on PolitiFact. Sometimes I don't understand why Biden and Obama are so environmentally focused, but I think that's for another episode. Biden said, I do not propose banning fracking. I think you have to make sure that fracking is in fact not emitting methane or polluting the well, admitting, emitting methane or polluting the well or dealing with what can be small earthquakes and how they're drilling. So it has to be managed very, very, very well. Number one. Number two, what we have to do is the future rests in renewable energy. So his big team of people who are pushing for this shift from fossil fuels to renewable energy have already come out and said the Biden administration has already greenlighted new fracking. In January, there was a report released from the Interior Department, and they have approved 3,557 permits for oil and gas drilling on public lands in its first year. That was about 1,000 more permits than during the first year of the Trump administration. The interesting thing about that is that although he approved permits, most of that land isn't being drilled on, especially right now, because the, the oil and the drilling companies don't want to start and have it flip-flop back and forth between president and president. It's, it's not cost-effective, and it doesn't make business sense, which is exactly why They're not drilling and basically cutting our supply while demand increases because they know that Biden and the Democrats are eventually just going to pull the rug from out from underneath them anyways. His big one is to establish ambitious fuel economy standards to save consumers money, cut air pollution, and help the environment. He claims he will negotiate fuel economy standards with workers in their unions, environmentalists, industry, and states, that achieve new ambition by integrating the most recent advances in technology. The auto companies responded by saying, Achieving the goals of this final rule will undoubtedly require enactment of supportive governmental policies, including consumer incentives, substantial infrastructure growth, fleet requirements, and support for U.S. manufacturing and supply chain development, all of which have gone backwards. Biden's order called for establishing ambitious job-creating standards and said the new rules must reflect the views of states, labor unions, and the auto industry. The regulatory process is not fast, and Biden hasn't even taken the first step. So, again, another talking point promising jobs and clean air and nature and habitats, but backed up with absolutely no action.
1: From a scientific point of view, it is now... Very likely that there will be again another ice age quite soon in the world that we shall have the north part of the world, all frozen like it used to be, when we're beginning to have natural disasters, from a scientist's study, it seems likely that we shall soon begin to have uh, these great changes in the Earth's climate, so people will not be able to live where they have, and the oceans will rise, and many cities will be flooded, like London and Calcutta and so on. These things, they say, will happen, according to scientific theories, in about 40 years at the most.
0: Maybe Well, folks, there it is. We've gone from total melting of Antarctica and Greenland underwater, 75% chance in the next 15 years, which, by the way, we're already here, that the ice caps would be gone thanks to our friend and creator of the Internet, Al Gore. Funny enough, we have family that live very close to him and in his exclusive neighborhood. And this is a very exclusive neighborhood called Bell Mead in Nashville. And his house is. Massive. I mean he must have like twelve AC units going, and you know how hot it gets in Tennessee. He has private jets, motorcades as if he's still VP, and he has oil pumps all over his backyard. I'm mean, gonna listen to my story about a man named Jed. A poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was shooting at some food and up through the ground come a bubbling crude. Oil that is black gold, Texas tea. Okay, the last part was a joke. I just kind of picture him like Jed Clampett from Beverly Hill, Billy's striking gold. The hypocrisy of that guy. I just know if he struck oil, he would love it and his tune would change. Oh, and by the way, he sits on the board of multiple energy companies as a green consultant. So who's paying the bills for this lifestyle? Exactly. From there, we had to change, like I said, from global warming to climate change because it wasn't warm enough. And Barack, the environmental champion, did a lot of talking, but he did nothing to help the environment. Everything he did or attempted to do has been worse. I wonder how much carbon is emitted from an exploding car. My favorite is that he goes to these huge climate change councils and UN events and speaks. How are these people authorities on the climate? They're politicians. They're not scientists. The most disgusting part of all of this is that climate change is being used to promote population reduction and exposes a lot of the true feelings around liberal beliefs. Listen to my collection of clips I thought were the most impactful from a Reason TV piece called Population Control Isn't the Answer to Climate Change, Capitalism
2: Is. A 2019 paper from the journal Biosciences, co-signed by more than 11,000 scientists asserted that planet Earth's population must be stabilized and ideally gradually reduced. There's scientific consensus that the lives of children are gonna be very difficult. And it does lead, I think, young people to have a legitimate question. You know, should, is it okay to still have children? Educating everyone on the need to curb population growth seems a reasonable campaign to enact. Would you be courageous enough to discuss this issue and make it a key feature of a plan to address climate catastrophe?
1: Well, the answer is yes. The only hope that there is, is that we will be able, at least in the United States, through the political process, to get a government that's courageous enough to say, look, we're overpopulated and we have to have population control and start moving in that direction.
2: He predicted that through the 1970s and 80s, hundreds of millions would starve to death. He compared humanity to a cancer, writing that we must shift our efforts from treatment of the symptoms to the cutting out of the cancer. His proposed solutions included taxing diapers, subsidizing vasectomies, and even spiking food aid and water supplies with sterilizing drugs, and then holding a lottery for access to the antidote.
3: The only way to make this system work is to have the family be willing to give up. One of its former freedoms, namely the freedom to determine how many children it was going to have.
2: Concerned about the disruptive effects of climate change. Citing global warming, documentarian David Attenborough described humanity as a plague upon the earth.
1: I can't think of a single problem that wouldn't be easier to
2: solve if there were less people. And the biosciences paper, signed by 11,000 scientists, projects total societal collapse if population isn't managed properly. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you!
0: These are the worst combination of people evil and stupid. Funny enough, the founder of Planned Parenthood. Super hot topic I discussed on this week's monologue, Margaret Sanger, was a believer and practitioner of eugenics, which is what Hitler used to sterilize women against their will and do breeding experiments. The left won't be happy until we're stripped of everything and at their mercy, and I'm not being dramatic. Our rights have to be taken away before ultimate power can be taken over by the left. Well, folks, I think that's a good note to end on. I hope you liked Throwback Thursday and those of you who live near the beach like me or in Florida or New Orleans or Houston. Looks like we can toss out our blow-up rafts, arm floaties, and scuba gear because none of these predictions have been true and I don't think we'll be underwater anytime soon. You just listened to The Last Gay Conservative. I'm Chad Law reminding you of what Reagan once said. Let us be sure that those who come after will say of us, in our time we did everything that could be done. We finished the race We kept them free. We kept the faith. I think we can all certainly say that about you, President Reagan. And may God bless you and may God save America.